This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. I am also excited about this series, The Foundations. You'll see the foundation stones here. And I want to talk to you for a few moments about the key foundations of Christianity, foundations that every generation is responsible to nurture and look after. I mean, think about this. Every group of runners, if you will, catches the baton, and we run with this precious cargo called truth. And there's an upcoming generation that we need to pass the baton to. Who do we hand off the foundations to? We hand off the foundations to those that don't yet know Christ, people around us that need the gospel, that need to know the Lord as their Savior. We hand off the foundations to young people, the generation coming up alongside that um, need to be taught and, and discipled and matured in the Word. That's why I was so excited again to be, for my third visit, part of the call and how I love the, the ministry of Andy Lawrence. And now, now, I like Rick, but I love Andy. And, um, and uh, uh, Andy has just been an innovator. I've watched him over the last decade that he and I have been kind of buds. You know, he's done so many things, and it was a joy to be a part of the call. For uh, Friday night and all day Saturday, this room was filled with teenagers. And you know what? We went deep. Look, I, by the grace of God, um, led a seminary and, and teach in Grad schools have spoken at a number of colleges like Liberty and Biola and the the school that I was affiliated with for five years. And I want you to know, I gave Friday night and Saturday, I gave these young people the same level of content that I give when I speak to graduate students. And, you know, we talked about things like how do we know God exists? How do we know the Bible is true? How do we know Jesus Christ is authentic? You know, was Jesus a good man or was he the God man? Did he speak for God or did Jesus speak as God? And I gave these teens the same level of teaching that I would give when I speak in a seminary. And you know what? They were digging it. I mean, they, they got it. I see some of the people around the, the room that were here Friday and Saturday. And you need, folks, be encouraged at the, the ministry going on to young people here and be encouraged at the way that they receive it and are, you know, sinking their teeth into some some not just milk, but meat of the Word. That's the church's call, to, to win the lost and equip the saved. I mean, think about that. To reach out to those that need Christ, and then to mature and hone and polish, strengthen, equip, mobilize, and dispatch believers. And I, I don't know of any church doing that as effectively as Nags Head Church. It's a joy to be here. We do, for all the blessings, though, let me just... Uh, lay some things on the table. For all of the good things we can talk about, the encouraging things, we got some situations, okay, in the American church landscape. I'll just say it in plain language, but in biblical language, folks, we need a revival. We need a revival. Now, that might sound like some hillbilly religious word. Do you know it's actually a Bible word? It's found in the Word of God, and it, it means a return to the things that bring life. That's literally what the word revival means. It's from two Latin words, and it means to turn again to life. And the revival that, that we need in the American church is going to involve several things. It will involve prayer. It will involve leading by the Holy Spirit. It will involve Christians linking arms and working together. 
But do you know, fourthly, it involves a return to truth, scriptural realities like Rick talked about, the foundations. Do you know what? Here's something to think about. The church has spanned 20 centuries, 2,000 years. Jesus lived, he died, he rose again. He, uh, he said to the believers, Occupy till I come, preach the gospel in all nations, take the word of Jesus to the whole planet. And Jesus went back to heaven. He said, Listen, one day I'll return. And by the way, Christ is coming back. That's one of the core realities of the Christian faith. Jesus will literally return. I've got to tell you, folks, I think we're near that time. Now, nobody knows the date of Christ's return. We don't know. But if we look at world affairs, if we look at uh, the situations around the world, the instability, the, the, the danger and the violence, the, the falling away, the people that have rejected God, I have to believe we're near to the return of Christ. Now, let me give you a little uh, historical footnote, if you will. There was 200 years ago a French atheist named Voltaire. And he was very influential in some American atheists uh, like a guy named Robert Ingersoll. And one of their favorite things, one of their favorite gripes about Christianity were the following thing, two things. They said, number one, the Bible can't possibly be true because the Bible says right before the return of Christ, um, nations will, will make war against Israel and Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies. Why? Israel ceased to exist in A.D. 70, so the Bible's obviously false. The Jews don't even live in Israel anymore. Ha ha. Another big thing was uh, Voltaire, Robert Ingersoll, and other skeptics of 200 years ago, they said, the Bible says that in the tribulation period, these two witnesses are going to lie dead in the streets of Jerusalem, and the whole wide world will look at their dead bodies and will rejoice that these two preachers... Some think Moses and Elijah returned, but listen. Um, The whole wide world will look at events taking place in Jerusalem. How could the whole wide world see something going on on the other side of the planet? Impossible. And along comes the 20th century. Israel was regathered as a nation, is a, a functioning country now for more than 60 years. And we've got a little thing in our own lifetimes called satellite communication and uh, worldwide instantaneous media. The other day, I had the privilege, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I was uh, being interviewed by Fox News about the, uh, the resignation of Mubarak, the, the uh, leader of Egypt at that time. And do you know what? I was being interviewed 11 a.m. Friday morning, the 11th of February, about the situation in Egypt. And listen to this. As I was finishing the interview... Mubarak was resigning. And guess how long it took from his resignation till us seeing it on the monitors at Fox News in Atlanta took about 30 seconds. And we were watching like live in real time as I was doing my interview, we were following events taking place on the other side of the planet with a delay of 30 seconds. Now, folks, here's my point. Um, things that people used to say disprove the Bible. It's funny how the Bible has a way of disproving objections. We live in a time that needs to, to have the foundations restored because, yes, God is real. The Bible is true. Christ is authentic. And the objections of skeptics, the questions of seekers, have answers. And we can boldly, lovingly, 
go out to the world and say, look, hey, questions, no problem. It's okay to have questions. Maybe some of you here this morning, you've got questions. Like I, I was talking with a man the other day, and he was sharing with me this thing. He said, my wife had cancer, and we prayed for her to get well, and she passed away anyway. There are things in life that cause us to, to ask, you know, does God really care? Is God really in control? Let me say to you this morning, folks, yes, God cares. God sees you. God knows where you are in your journey. He loves you intimately. And listen, whatever you've done, He can forgive. Whatever's been done to you, He can heal and fix. And even if years have kind of been lost and even squandered, you know, our God is so powerful that He gave us a verse in His Word, Joel 2.25. It says that God restores the years that the locust has eaten. That's an imagery of a farm that the crops are lost due to a, a plague of insects. The locust would kill the corn and the grain. And God says, you know what, I'm so powerful, I can overcome your circumstance. I can forgive what you've done, and even if years have been lost and wasted, I can turn back the tape, I can hit rewind on your life. If, you, if you've ever wanted a do-over, this morning Jesus Christ says, hey, let me come in and together let's, let's have a do-over. We'll hit rewind and give you a fresh start. That's a wonderful promise. Some of you here this morning, you need to grasp that and let Jesus come in and be your friend, your forgiver, your Savior, your Lord. Well, we live in a culture that has, to at least a degree, missed out on a lot of these realities. And very briefly, I want to tell you six things that I think the church needs to be re-reminded of in this era. And I want us to go to a verse. We've got a verse up here. Um, we'll skip the little commercial on my books. Let's go to 1 Peter 3.15. If we could put that verse up there. I know of no better verse to kind of chew on for a few moments as we talk about the foundations. Because this verse is a call that if you give God your heart, you also give God your brain. Now, it was written by a guy named Peter. Who knows what kind of job Peter had? He was a fisherman. Uh, in the first century, that was not the highest class of people. Sometimes fishermen were looked down upon. They were thought of as kind of rough, tough guys, uh, not all that educated back then. But do you know what? This verse that says, be ready to defend your faith, Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart and be ready always. Be prepared. I think it's really cool that 2,000 years before the Boy Scouts even existed, God said, be prepared. Be ready always to give an answer, and I've underlined that, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And equip yourself to blow the doors off an atheist in a debate, right? Um, if somebody has a question or a skeptic or somebody is an agnostic or a doubter, learn 20 facts so that you can shut them down in the office conversation. No. It says we do this with gentleness and respect. Now, if you think, well, gee, Alex, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a scholar. I didn't go to seminary. Learning all these big things like the deity of Christ, Jesus is the Son of God, the Bible is true, and there's all this archaeological evidence. Hey, man, I'm not... Uh, I'm not a theologian. Hey, I take great comfort as a farm boy from Greensboro, North Carolina. I take great comfort knowing that this verse that says, Be ready to defend your faith, 
It wasn't written by Luke, the physician, who probably was a scientist. It wasn't written by Paul, who many think had a genius level IQ. This was written by plain spoken, forthright, speak his mind, street level Peter, the fisherman. Peter, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Be ready always to give an answer. Now, the word answer and the word reason is the word apologetic. And apologetic doesn't mean I'm sorry. Let's go to that slide that says it's what we believe and why. Apologetics, and by the way, this word appears in the New Testament eight times. Apologia, from which we get apologetics. It's not saying I'm sorry. It's the word that means to speak in defense of. 1 Peter 3.15 says, look, with gentleness, with respect, with love, in a, in a cordial way that, that, that really builds bridges, not burns bridges, but we are called on to defend our faith. It's what we believe and the reason why. Now, let me ask you a question. If somebody just fell in your lap and said, hey, you know what? Hey, man, I, I hear you go to Nags Head Church. What, what is church all about? Why should I go to church? Could you give the reason why? What if somebody said, you know, I'm kind of thinking I need God in my life, but I don't know how to do that. Um, how do I become a Christian? Could you, could you explain how a person receives Christ? We're going to explain that in just a few short minutes. And I want you, if you aren't sure, I want you this morning to make sure. And we're going to tell you how you can accept Christ into your heart and life. What if somebody asks you, you know, the Bible is uh, kind of this ancient book, and uh, I know it's like a book of spiritual things. Is the Bible dependable? Is the Bible really trustworthy? I mean, these basics, the reality of God, the trustworthiness of the Bible, the uh, identity of Jesus. Could you explain those things? Now, let me, let me break down our job description as Christians uh, in three ways. Present, explain, defend. Now think about that. We are God's reps. If you're a Christian and if you're a believer, listen, if you're five years old or 95, if you're a child or a grown-up or a senior, listen, you are in the game, okay? You are called to be able, at a moment's notice, to present. If need be, explain. And if need be, defend. Now, you might be saying, but Alex... I'm not Pastor Rick. Dude, I'm not a preacher of a church. Uh, this thing of like presenting, defending the faith, going deep, I mean, drilling down really deeply in the Word, I mean, that's what we pay him to do. There's a very complex Greek word for that attitude. It is called hogwash. Listen, it, it is your job. little Greek there. Hogwash. It's your job, your, your privilege, your duty. Let me tell you, to know the Word, to read the Word, to memorize God's Word, to feed on these timeless truths. Listen, it's not a have to. It's a get to. It's a joy. Listen, some people spend more time thinking about where they're going to spend a two-week vacation than thinking about where they're going to spend eternity. We have hung our soul on the realities of this book, honestly. I mean, we're going to live and we're going to die. We're going to leave this world. We're going to stand before God based on what this book says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. 
Here's a verse for you. I love this. The words of Jesus in John 6, 40. Check it out. Jesus said this, Whoever sees the Son, S-O-N, and believes on Him will have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Isn't that beautiful? Do you see the Son, S-O-N? And by the word, the, the verb there, see, really means an intimate experience with. I don't mean do you just know about God. Do you have Jesus in your life? Not religion, but a relationship. Not, not rituals, but reality. I was an English major, so I love words. I love to like study what words mean. And what it means to believe on Jesus, at least according to the New Testament, it's not just a fact in your brain. It's an experience with. It's, it's getting honest before God in your, in your heart of hearts, saying, Lord, I admit I, I've broken your laws. I'm a sinner, and I want to be forgiven. And I cannot save myself. Lord, I want you in my life. I'm asking to be forgiven. God, I want to be connected with you. And through faith in Jesus, that's how I come. Uh, that's what it means to believe, to see the Son. Jesus said, if you see the Son in this way, He will give you everlasting life, and at the last day you'll be raised up. Now here's my point. We, we, we hang our soul on whether or not these things are true. So we had better read, study, learn, internalize, meditate on, live with, process these things that enable us to present, explain, defend. Now, in American church life, we live in an era in which a lot of our foundations have been forgotten. I was speaking in a church and gave a, gave a talk to some teenagers, and uh, after it was over, the youth minister asked me, the youth minister, okay, he said, you, you gave this talk about Jesus really being God incarnate. Jesus is God in the flesh. The deity of Christ, that's the word deity. Do you really believe he really was the, the son of God? And I looked at this youth pastor, I said, uh, yeah, I do believe Jesus is the son of God. He said, well, that's just something I've always struggled with. I mean, I know he was a good man, but really God in the flesh. And I thought, man, when, when the pastoral staff isn't really sure about Jesus, we've got issues, okay? Uh, we really need to return to these, these core realities. Now, let me digress for a moment here, folks. Hang with me, please. We live in a time that reminds me of a verse in the Old Testament, Judges 5, verse 8. In Judges 5, 8, it's speak, speaking of ancient Israel. Now, listen. It says of, of Israel, you remember they were God's nation. God raised up Israel, said through the nation of Israel, the Savior will be born. And he was. It was through Israel that Jesus came into the world. Judges 5.8 says, when they chose new gods, there was chaos within the gates. There was not found in Israel a shield nor a spear among 40,000 men. And what I was saying was, look, when they chose new God, the spiritual loyalty was transferred. Social decay was the result, and even national insecurity happened. When they chose new gods, there was chaos within the gates. And among 40,000 men, there was not a shield or a spear found. In other words, the things that result in national security, they were compromised. I want to tell you about American life. We have chosen new gods, and we have chaos within our gates. And I would say our situation 
as far as security is, is very tenuous right now. Let me make a bold statement. I believe that the preservation of democracy depends on a revival of Christianity. And so, dear friends, it is us to, with God's help, rebuild the foundations. Now, I want to read you a quote from nearly 60 years ago. There was a man named Mortimer Adler. He was a Jewish man. He was the editor of Encyclopedia Britannica. He was a brilliant man, and in his lifetime, he was called one of the most well-read men in, in the world. He was the editor of Encyclopedia Britannica, and uh, he called himself a happy pagan. He had traveled the world, been to every continent, studied the world's religion and culture as editor of Encyclopedia Britannica, and under his leadership, Mortimer Adler made Encyclopedia Britannica one of the most respected publications in the world. But in the late 1950s, he was very concerned. Now, this was 60 years ago. And he was concerned. He said, look, America was birthed by people who believed in God. They believed in the Ten Commandments. They believed in morality. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And he said, do you know what? We are losing that. Now, if Adler were alive today, I think he would probably have an aneurysm. But 60 years ago, this man who wasn't even a Christian became very concerned that unless we return to our roots, which he believed was the Bible, we're going to lose freedom and liberty and democracy. So he got a bunch of people together. The filmmaker Frank Capra, who directed a lot of great films like It's a Wonderful Life. He got Harvey Firestone, who was a tire maker, and people all around the country. And he then look, this was not a Christian enterprise at all. It was Americans that were concerned for the USA. Now, if you look at what they did, it, it really rings of Christianity. But they said, look, we've got to remind a new generation about what made America great and what preserved our freedom. And it was God and it was Christianity. And we better call our culture back to it. So they put together all these books. That they said, look, everybody ought to read these things so they'll kind of know what it means to be a free, God-fearing American. And it was a set of books called Great Books of the Western World. Now, let me read what Mortimer Adler wrote, and then I'm going to tell you the rest of his story. Mortimer Adler wrote this in the introduction to Great Books of the Western World. This was his concern as the editor of Encyclopedia Britannica. He said, We believe that the reduction of the citizen to an object of propaganda is one of the greatest dangers to democracy and freedom. A prevalent notion is that the great mass of average people cannot think for themselves and form an independent judgment on any matter. The assumption is the average person cannot truly be educated in the sense of developing their intellectual power, but people can be bamboozled. The reiteration of slogans, the distortion of the news, the great storm of propaganda that now beats on the citizen 24 hours a day, all life long, means that democracy will fall to the loudest and most persistent propagandists. Or the people of America must save themselves by strengthening their minds so that they can think and evaluate the issues for themselves. To that end... We compiled this series of books. And he goes on and on. Now, let me tell you what happened to Mortimer Adler. Around age 84, he announced, this Jewish man, he said, I have become a born-again Christian. And several people said, 
well, you're old and you're just hedging your bets. He said, please do not patronize me. I might be in my 80s. Now listen to what he said. This is the the quote that I love. He said, follow the evidence wherever it leads. And if you don't bail out on the search, you will wind up at Calvary as I have. Now I got to tell you, We live in the age where propaganda is beating on our minds 24 hours a day. And we get Xbox and we get uh, the newest soft drink and we get Lady Gaga at the Golden Globe Awards and Justin Bieber and we get uh, car ads and just news that is spun. And look, our nation is in the grip of whoever's got the most money and the loudest, slickest propaganda. And I'm telling you folks... The, the, the mere fact that I can see you watching me, you're listening, deep inside your heart, you're thinking, you know what? It's right. There's got to be more to life. There's more to life than just living credit card to credit card. There's more to life than, than just spending my way to happiness. Folks, you know you weren't put here to be a worker bee and just live and die in a, a zombie-like, zoned-out state. God made you to know Him and to make a difference in the world. God put within your soul a fire that you thirst for truth. You want to know what's real. You know that there's something bigger than this just little day-to-day story. And this morning, God is telling you, build your life on the rock of truth. Make your priorities the things that matter, the things of God, the things that last. Folks, this morning, the things that last, I'm here to re-remind you, are Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel, the home we have in heaven, and this transient little life is not all there is. And the Holy Spirit whispers this morning and says, listen, rise above. Don't buy the lie. It's not sex. It's not power. It's not materialism. It's not narcissism. It's not music. It's not any of the trinkets that the world will dangle in front of you. The reason you're here is to know the God of the universe who knows your name, who loves you, who cares about you. And this morning God is saying, would you stop your busy world for just a minute? And listen, in the space of a moment, make a decision that would count for eternity. In just a few brief seconds, make the choice that will change your destiny. And in in the process, can bless America. Adler was right. The people have to stop long enough to drink again from the well of timeless truth. The Word of God says, be ready always to give an answer. Now, I've got two questions and we're done. One, do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? Secondly, if you do know Him, does He really have all of you? Are you living for Him as as you know you should? If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your forgiver, your leader, then your call this morning is to open your heart and put your faith in Jesus. As a Christian, though, God is calling you. I know many young people here in this room You're thinking, what will I do with my life? Hey, I've met millionaires that said, you know what? I I made the money, I got all the toys, but I wish I had done something for God. Listen, I want to challenge you. 
to make sure whatever you do, that Jesus Christ is the priority. Some of you here this morning could end up being the ones that take Jesus to the Muslim world, take the gospel throughout Currituck County and Dare and Nags Head, Kitty Hawk, Kill Devil Hill. I don't know what God's plan for you is, but I know He's got amazing things that would just eclipse your highest goals and dreams. So do you know Him and are you living for Him? Do you know Him? And I want to challenge you and and promise you, on the authority of God's Word, on the authority of those that have preceded us, and the testimony of millions of Christians, listen, if you serve Jesus one day in heaven, you will know it was so worth it. Because it was a life that counted not for temporary time, but for all of eternity. Would you be a part of what God is doing to rebuild the foundations? Would you be a part of what God is doing to save America? Would you be a part of what God is calling His church to do at this hour? And it begins with an individual choice to follow Jesus. Can we pray together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed. No one's looking around, but but I want to pray for you. And so if you're here this morning and you say, you know, Alex, I need to make sure. I I really want to make certain that I'm a Christian. And I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to come into my life. If you're going to pray and receive Jesus, would you raise your hand just now? Anybody else? Raise your hand. You say, you know what? I mean, I know about God. I want to make sure that I've really got Jesus in my life. And I'm going to pray. Raise your hand. How many here are Christians? And you say, kid, I hear you, man. And I want to be on the team. I'm a believer. And I want God to use me to the maximum degree. Raise your hand. Amen. Now, how many will say this? Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. And to the best of my ability, folks, I'm speaking what the Holy Spirit is telling me to speak. How many will say, look, I get it, and I want to serve God through Nags Head Church, and with my time, my abilities, uh, financial resources, prayer, to the best of my ability, I want to plug in and connect, and, and Nags Head Church can count on me to be on the team. I'll be a part of what God is doing here. Raise your hand. And you say, I'm committed. I'm not just a spectator. I'm a participant for Nags Head Church. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your will would be done in each and every life. And Lord, for those that need to be saved, I pray that they will join me in this prayer. And and folks with heads bowed, if you want to make sure that you're a believer, silently but sincerely pray this and mean it. Pray this for those that want to be a Christian. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I've sinned. I've broken your laws. And I want to be forgiven. I believe that Jesus is who He claimed to be. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe Jesus died on the cross and rose again for me. Lord, I receive you into my life. I trust you as my Savior. 
And I want you to be my leader and my Lord. Please forgive my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And help me to follow you as long as I live. Now pray this and mean it. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And thank you for forgiving my sin. Now folks, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you a verse. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, in the sincerity of your heart, you called out to Jesus. Here's what Jesus himself said in John six thirty seven. He said, the one who comes to me, I will not reject. Isn't that cool? Did you come to him now? Well, he heard you and he received you. So I want to pray for all of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for hearing prayers. Thank you for forgiving sin. I pray in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would energize and fill and guard each life. Don't let emotion toss people to and fro. Don't let Satan cause people to doubt. Lord, don't let sin get people off the path. I pray for everyone in this room, Christians and new Christians. Lord, I pray that your hand would guide our life, control our actions, that you would help us to make you the priority. And Lord, in your name we ask that you would cleanse us, fill us, send us, use us, bring a revival to America and use our lives in that process. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.